Welcome again for another edition of Focus on Fertility. Thanks for joining me again today. My name is Dale Bader, and we are with a special guest, Dr. Mira Abishan from the Missouri Center for Reproductive Medicine, or MCRM Fertility. She is a board-certified reproductive endocrinologist. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Abishan. My pleasure. Can you give us a little background? This is the first time you've had the pleasure of joining us on Focus on Fertility. Can you uh, give us a little background on how did you get involved in infertility? I first became interested in fertility when I was a medical student back in the 1990s. And at that time, there weren't too many treatments that were available. And the the scope of knowledge about different types of uh, fertility problems were not as well recognized as they are today. And certainly the technologies back then are, are, are vastly different from what they are now. So, but from my standpoint, I had never heard that there was even a providers that, that specialized in this problem. And I have some fam, I had a family member, a close family member who really suffered with fertility. And I saw what that did to our family. And when I saw that there was a field that focused on helping couples and families in this situation, I really jumped at the chance to find out as much as I could about it. Now, I've read up on what you have as a background, and I see that one of the special focuses that you like to specialize in is dealing with PCOS, and that's actually going to lead us into our topic today, which is talking about PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome and its impacts on fertility. But what specifically drew you to really getting interested into PCOS itself? When I was a an OBGYN resident, uh, I got involved in a research project looking at sleep disorders in patients with polycystic ovary syndrome. And these days, that's a well-recognized link. But back in the early 2000s, this link was only starting to become recognized where some neurologists that ran sleep labs were seeing that there were a preponderance of people that seemed to have polycystic ovary syndrome symptoms and features. And so that's when this link started to become recognized. So I was involved with one of the first studies looking at that association and that really got me interested in what this condition really was. So I guess our next question is really what exactly is PCOS? I've heard both the term PCO, I've heard the term PCOS. Are they interchangeable and uh, what, what is a real definition of that? PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome and the classic definition really involves a couple of different items. The first item is patients who don't ovulate, meaning release an egg from their ovaries very regularly, which often translates into missed or irregular periods. The second portion of the diagnosis is symptoms of excess levels of male hormones. And these symptoms can take the form of unwanted facial or body hair or quite severe acne. Or perhaps the patient doesn't have those symptoms, but they have blood work that suggests slightly elevated levels of 
male type hormones that all women should have that's a normal thing but just a little bit elevated levels hormones like testosterone and some related hormones a third portion of the diagnostic criteria is having a transvaginal ultrasound looking at the ovaries and showing some pretty characteristic ultrasound features but the person needs to have at least two out of those three features. They don't necessarily have to have all of them, but they need to have more than just one before they can be labeled as having that. And and is PCO and PCOS the same? PCO refers to exclusively the ultrasound uh, characteristics of somebody's ovaries. So somebody can have polycystic ovaries, but have, have no symptoms in any other Uh, sense and those people would not be labeled as having polycystic ovary syndrome because there really are no health impacts in those patients. And how prevalent is PCOS in the United States and is this a a leading cause of uh, fertility problems? In terms of the the two cardinal symptoms of PCOS, namely those symptoms or, or blood work suggesting male hormone excess and combined with the, the missed or irregular periods with not ovulating regularly, the prevalence is estimated at about 9% of the reproductive age population, and that seems to be worldwide. So that's fairly uh, consistent with the the one in eight in infertility. So, is there? I guess there's some correlation there, maybe between the number of individuals that are getting or suffering through infertility and PCOS. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I, I I'm sure there is because PCOS is one of the most common causes of infertility related to not ovulating regularly in the reproductive age population. Certainly that doesn't account for the people with infertility from other causes, including um, male factors or tubal factors, but I would say it plays a a fairly large role. Now, besides infertility, are there other impacts that one may have as a result of having PCOS? I I know you'd mentioned uh, maybe having Uh, increase in male hormones, or you mentioned sleep disorders earlier. Is there other impacts that PCOS has on individuals? Particularly when patients have the the male hormone symptoms, uh, such as the hair growth or the, the severe acne or blood work suggesting elevated levels of male hormones, those patients are at increased risk for future health issues like prediabetes, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. And that's really what we're on the lookout for because those are conditions that can be more prominent as people get older, and we want people to live into their later years with good health. How early can individuals be diagnosed with PCOS? Is this something that's more for individuals that are 25, 30 years of old, or is it not really age-dependent? It seems to be something that people are born with. So theoretically, it could be diagnosed at extremely young ages, but in actual practice, that's a little bit harder, simply because certainly when people are very young, they're not having periods at all. And as they get into their adolescence, there can be 
uh, some irregular periods that are just natural phenomenon and don't really have anything to do with PCOS. Certainly there's overlap in the teen population with acne and just kind of simple adolescent acne versus the acne that's related to PCOS. And because there are some implications as far as labeling people with that diagnosis, even though theoretically the diagnosis should be able to be made earlier, that's that's a tough thing to do because we it, it's difficult to correlate the symptoms of irregular periods in, when people are younger. Um, so I think that it tends to be more of a diagnosis that gets made in later teen years in the 15, 16, 17 age range. Um, but certainly sometimes patients are diagnosed later simply because there's certain triggers that perhaps weren't present in their teens that start to be present when they're older, such as They had the symptoms, but their periods didn't start to get irregular until they gained a lot of weight in college. And so then they might present a little bit later. And we're sure it's not the the college uh, 20 that's uh, impacting at that point? It probably is, actually. I, I, I see that as a, as a pretty large trigger for many patients. And then they notice that their periods are getting irregular after that. Are there steps individuals should be taking once they've learned that they have PCOS, whether it's for taking care of just their general health and obviously leading up to infertility, but if they're being diagnosed potentially at 15, 16, 17 years of age, what steps should they be doing at that point, or is there anything they should be doing? I think the biggest things are getting optimizing their health as much as they can so they can avoid getting those illnesses of older ages like prediabetes, diabetes, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease because that's going to be that's going to play much more of a role in their quality of life and their longevity of life as they get older. Uh, so if they're not at a healthy body weight trying to strive for a healthy body weight because sometimes just becoming a normal body weight if they are carrying extra weight can sometimes make the symptoms of PCOS much better. The other thing that I would suggest they do is if they're not having very regular periods, they should at least consider, they don't have to, but they they can at least speak to their healthcare provider about taking hormones birth control pills are just one type of hormone. There's other types of hormonal therapy that can be used. The primary use of this is to protect their uterine lining from growing too thick and potentially over several years time, putting them at increased risk for things like uterine precancer and cancer. And if it's a couple that is trying to conceive and they are diagnosed with PCOS, what can they do to help with their infertility? Generally, what's good for the general health is also good for fertility. So those items that I mentioned about trying to get healthier can also potentially impact fertility, particularly if the patient weighs more. Because if they are able to lose weight, then oftentimes our fertility therapies are more effective. They work better in terms of ovulation. It makes pregnancy safer, uh, and it their miscarriage rate is also reduced. So I think for a lot of those reasons, it makes sense to try to optimize health before 
before becoming pregnant. Also, um, with respect to couples trying to get pregnant, there is some evidence that people with PCOS, even PCOS patients that are of normal body weight or lean, um, lean body weight, might benefit from at least modifying some of their dietary sugar. So if they not necessarily a zero-carbohydrate diet, but perhaps some emphasis on lowering sugary liquids, lowering sweets, lowering processed-type foods, adhering to more of a Mediterranean-style plant-based diet may be of benefit in those people, um, simply because PCOS uh, there, there's it, it, it produces a state of total body inflammation, kind of similar to what people have when they have an infection. And in this case, there's no infection going on, but the body is just sort of under more stress. And for some reason, dietary sugars in some groups of people can increase that inflammation. So that's one way that they may be able to get a little bit healthier doing that. I know this is a question we'll probably get, but is it just regular sugars that they should be watching or even the artificial sweeteners? That's a really, really good question, and I don't have the answer to that as far as the impact of the artificial sweeteners, and there's so many of them right now, and I think that they all have potentially different effects. I think for some of them, what has been found is that people who consume the dietary sweeteners may make up for it with increased caloric intake later, and I don't know why that is. That may be that the gut or the bowel also produces hormones that are important in modulating hunger. And it may be that those artificial sugars are somehow able to bypass those those gut hormones. And so that gives people this different sense of when they're hungry and when they're full. So I, I, I'm intrigued by the possibilities, but I, I don't have the answer to that. Well, this is a very enlightening information, and I know uh, it's going to be very beneficial when you're saying nearly 10% of the population is is dealing with PCOS. Do you have any last comments, thoughts uh, that you would like to share? I think that just like any other condition um, that people are born with, I think PCOS is really no different. And I think that um, although it can sometimes be a surprise uh, for patients to find out that they have that they have this condition. The good news is that we know so much more about PCOS um, now than when when I was first learning about it. There's there's tens of thousands of papers on it now, and we just we there's so many ways that we can intervene to make people's lives better. Um, to improve their fertility and every other aspect of their lives. So it's just, it's kind of just another condition now, kind of like asthma or, or, or any of those other conditions. So I don't want people to feel despair or, or to lose hope because I think of all the conditions out there, this condition actually carries a lot of hope. Um, and that, People who desire a family that are having some trouble, generally we can help those people with 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 very little expense and with with um, very very safely. And so I think that the important thing is if they think that there may be an issue, to just come and get it looked at because. The, there's there's lots of options now, not just for fertility, but to help people be healthier and enjoy their family when they have them.
If you've been trying to start your own family and haven't had success, you're not alone. Millions of people just like you are experiencing the same very personal and painful frustration. Infertility affects men and women equally. The Missouri Center for Reproductive Medicine, MCRM Fertility, can help. MCRM accepts most insurance and you don't need a referral. They offer the most advanced science and technology, including exclusive techniques and the embryo scope. Check them out at mcrmfertility.com. It was a pleasure having Dr. Amira Aubuchon of MCRM Fertility, one of our proud sponsors here, speak today specifically on PCOS. And if you would like to reach out to Dr. Aubuchon, maybe regarding questions you might have on this very particular topic, you can email her at maubuchon at mcrmfertility.com or you can visit their website at mcrmfertility.com and put in a request of additional information. As always, it's been a pleasure having you with us on this episode of Focus on Fertility. And if you'd like to listen to previous editions of this podcast, simply visit us at focusonfertility.net. Or if you'd like to specifically send questions related to today's podcast or would like to put in a request for a specific topic that you would like to hear covered, please email me at questions at focusonfertility.net.